Hello, everyone. Welcome back. It's another episode of the Philosopher's Stoned podcast with Jordan Strauss and Sam Laboon. How the fuck you doing? Um, sorry for cursing right off the top. Uh, if any grandmas are listening, if my grandma's listening, I'm very surprised at that. And I also apologize for almost everything I say on here. Um, I don't regret it, but I apologize that you had to hear it. I'm sorry the fact that you have found this podcast and you are now listening to your grandson say horrific things. But that being said, I hope we can still love each other. How are you, Sam? I'm good. I'm, I'm just listening to this uh, this di- imaginary dialogue you're having with your, your grandma. Well, you never know. You never know. She might find this, and she this would be the first episode she ever hears. And uh, it would be, I mean, <laughs> how would your grandma feel about this podcast overall, Sam? Uh, hmm. Yeah, well, hmm. Yeah, I mean, my side of the family, my my grandma's side of the family doesn't drink alcohol, so I think they'd be, that's kind of the people we're dealing with here. I don't think they'd be a very appreciative. You think our entire audience consists of alcoholics? Is that what you're saying? No, it's just like, uh, it's like, what kind of, like, what's their, how do you like sum up what someone can tolerate by telling one fact about them? And I feel like if like one fact about an entire side of the family is that they don't drink alcohol at all, then their tolerance for other things. Buffoonery. <laughs> buffoonery, yeah. Buffoonery is low. Low tolerance for buffoonery. <laughs> yeah, well, buffoonery is like one of the best things in life. So it's their lost, honestly. Oh, my cat is I trying think to break in yet again. But... They like buffoonery, but they don't like drinking. They yeah, only like I, the buffoonery yeah. that's within their expected buffoonery scope, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's religious reasons with them, but... Uh, ah, yes. My favorite thing, yeah. religion. Well, that's, of course, <laughs> that's every single divide I've ever... every any, any single barrier I've had in life about getting to know a loved one more has been religious in nature, I feel like. Mm, or allowing yeah, myself to be fully myself around someone the reason i don't do that i mean i, I kind of feel like most children are not 100 percent themselves around their parents or their grandparents and i think that's totally normal um but i've had to hide a lot of who i am from my parents and grandparents because of the religious factor i would say that is quite common for uh people who were raised religious yeah, the uh, like the accountability level is way, way more. Everything's way more serious for some reason. Even though it's all the sins are forgiven and everything like that, there's like all of your actions have like a cosmic significance. Yeah, because so getting in, getting in trouble is a much bigger deal. Yeah, when the when the <laughs> when the stakes are burning in hell for eternity, people say, and they and they believe that will actually happening. That will actually happen. Sorry. That yeah. makes the conversation a little bit more heavy than it needs to be. And thus is <laughs> is the reason why I avoided it at all costs growing up. Yeah, yeah, precisely. It's uh, the, the, the stakes of the game, the stakes when you steal that cookie from the cookie jar are so much higher. Oh, yeah. Hellfire, hellfire is 
on the line. And yeah. they don't, they <laughs> wouldn't be very understanding. They're like, you're, 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 you're risking your burning in torture for eternity so that you could have a couple of drinks with the boys. That doesn't What's make any sense. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, the, the discussion starts off on a, such an abrasively illogical foothold that it's like hard to go forward from there, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah. I do love, I do love my grandparents, love them to death. Um, at this point, I don't want them. I would, I would be devastated if they let go of their religion. You know, it gets, it gets to a certain point of like age where it was just, it was just sad if you, if you, if you bail on your religion. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It, it all, it all depends on why people leave their religion. Like some people, they leave their religion because of like a huge tragedy that happens to them. Yeah, and they. They just can't accept that God will allow that to happen if God existed or not. Yeah, um, I've met quite a few people that left uh, religion because of the psychological and emotional abuse that sometimes comes hand in hand with that. Uh, yeah. And other people just kind of. It's, it's harder to maintain a religious faith in a world where there's so much access to scientific knowledge. That unless you have a real, like, real deep, deep faith, um, your faith just kind of gets withered away over time because you realize that it's not necessary for the world to make sense. And it's, <laughs> it's just one of those, as I've said this before, and like, when someone that's competent and knows how to communicate effectively explains how evolution works to you, it's really, really hard to. Like it's as plain of a fact as any other fact in life. Um, to me anyways, that's how it was to me. And so that was not that I was like super religious when I finally came around to like investigating evolution. But once I did, it was kind of like one of the more final nails in the coffin. Mm, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's like the, the big thing you could point to as a religious person for evidence evidence of uh god or something you point to life and its Mm -hmm. complexity yeah could not be an accident um it's but they're looking at it backwards you know they're like look how perfectly engineered these things are and it's like they think they don't realize that it's been a map millions of years of trial and error like you know like actual technology is the same thing it's like it's trial and error it doesn't get designed that way immediately out from the gets uh the outset you know what i'm saying yeah, it's uh, it's the 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 blind watch or the watchmaker fallacy. Um, right. You walk if, if you're walking along the beach and you find a watch, you uh, would think that this must have been made by an intelligent design. Um, and then the analogy is drawn to life. You know, you find like some complex life. Same analogy. It must have been made by some intelligent engineer working with a purpose. Yeah, um, but just because that's what, but that's what we think. David Hume shows up again. Like that's our experience is that complex things are engineered. So that's immediately what we think it must be. But we're right. just deceived by our own custom of mm-hmm. explaining comp- complexity by design. And also, when you really look at the design of of biological life, a lot of it is pretty flawed, right? And it's not like it was perfect. <laughs> but 
Sorry, I should close my window. I don't know if you can hear that. Yeah. Well, yeah. That that I can hear that. I, I can hear that. Jeez. I live on like the emergency vehicle corridor. Oh, so that must really be great. All, all fucking day. All fucking day. <laughs> At night, too, I bet. Anyways, I don't know where we were going with this, but uh, religion is, uh, yeah. I just listened to two epi- our last two episodes of our podcast, and I harped on this for like most of the podcast, so I'm going to leave it at that. I think my feelings have been, I'm just, all I'm, I want a PSA if my grandma ends up listening to this episode that we can still have a loving relationship without me being fundamentalist Christian. (laughs) All right, Lucille. (laughs) Yeah, you can, uh, everyone can be, be friends um, if they value friendship more than other stuff. Uh, But it all depends on what you value. Um, yes. If you don't value being friends with people who don't uh, think the same way as you, then you won't you won't uh, be friends. I guess I don't know. <laughs> some yeah. I mean, people have some very bizarre values out there, things they care about uh, that I just could not care less about. Have you ever it, like been in a group of people that are friends, but there's very little like humor at work? You know. Like, have you ever sat down with a group of people who are who have known each other, and then there's like very little like joking around? It's about like a very very everything's very like matter of fact. It's I don't mm. think it's very common because I think those people no. generally turn out to be kind of recluses and maybe don't have big social circles. But I have been in situations where I sit down with a group of people I don't know them. I don't know why. I'm, I just have had this happen to me where the conversation like very rarely veers into humor. <laughs> I think that's abnormal, but it does. I have, it's happened to me. And I, I say, what, 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 hmm. what do you I'd say value? That's pretty common. Oh, so the value, like, what is the value of gathering together as, as a community, as a, like, and having like a party, if you're not going to be having fun, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It all depends. Like some people, like I think, like close friends, you would expect them to laugh and joke with each other. But some people, if people don't know each other, like they may be socializing for for business, like networking and stuff like that. And then, and then yeah. you don't want to be, you don't want to risk a joke, maybe because it might not land, and then everyone thinks you're weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I guess they That's get together. To, they probably have common interests that they discuss that they like to discuss without necessarily, you know, cracking fucking jokes all yeah. the time. Yeah, maybe yeah, I just I wandered mean, into yeah. like an autistic kind of gathering and I didn't realize it. You know what I mean? Yeah, some people just aren't funny, but I don't know. Lots of people aren't funny, but lot, most people <laughs> want to be joking around, even if the jokes. Yeah, suck. I would agree. I would agree. I think I think it takes is a good stress reliever. I think not. I'd say like eighty five percent of communication, verbal communication, is done through a lens of some scale of humor. Like it's most communication between people. There's a, there is a, an aspect of humor to it. I would think at least in Western culture. Like otherwise, it's just straight up information being given. You know who definitely agrees with you. <laughs> Is it Humes again? <laughs> no. no, Joker. Yeah, Joker. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of the Joker, I uh, I watched um, Beetlejuice for the first time. Okay, yeah. Michael Keaton. With Michael Keaton. 
he, he should have been cast as the Joker, not Batman. You know what I mean? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, know I think yeah, Beetlejuice yeah. was a better Joker than Jack Nicholson's Joker. Wow. Good, good take. Good hot yeah. take. Good hot take. What, Michael Keaton what? is the Joker. Damn. Michael, well, because I was very, I'd never seen Michael Keaton do that role, and I've never seen him in a comedic role, but he was truly insane as Beetlejuice. I think he would have made a great Joker. I think they got the Jack Nicholson, maybe should have been like the Penguin or some shit. Yeah, Jack Nicholson is like, he's, I don't know, the Joker's tricky. Jack Nicholson's very good as the Joker. I'm, I'm I guess really he excited is. to see uh, Barry Keegan's Joker. I don't know who Barry that. Keegan is. He's in uh, Banshees of Inisherin. Nope. Um, He's in some stuff recently. Hold on, let me look on. You'd definitely know his face if you saw him. Uh, well, here's a good time to Google. Um, what's his name again? Barry? Keegan. K-E-O-G-H-A-N. K-E-O-G-H-A-N? K-E-O? K-E-O-G-H-A-N. Super Irish. Kogan. Kogan. Uh... That, that's not been in a lot Miller. Of really good movies. <laughs> that looks exactly like Ezra Miller to me. No, um, no, it yeah, no. Top one, the Batman, Eternals. Literally, have maybe. not seen any of the movies he's been in. Dunkirk, oh, maybe yeah. you've seen that one. Oh man, he all these uh, Green Knight's good. Chernobyl's good. I've um, heard Green Knight is really good. He was in Dune. Oh, Banshees of Inisherin is fantastic. He's in Dune Part 2, which is coming out, what, in March? Yeah, hopefully. Banshees uh, of Inisherin is is a watch. Watch that one. That's the one where they're in Ireland and the one guy can't figure out why the one guy isn't his friend anymore? Yeah, yeah. That's like cool. the bare minimum. It's the same director as Seven Psychopaths. Oh, and, really? Uh, oh, fuck. And such uh, a, in Bruges. Yeah. All right, well, I will say, just looking at this guy's face, I don't like it. But that's fine. That's what you want in the Joker, though. You don't want to like the Joker's face. I kind of want to. I kind of want to like his face. I guess no. that, you know what it is. He just reminds me so much of uh, Ezra Miller. The look. Well, he's a good actor. That's the difference. Okay. All right. Cool. <laughs> I'll I'll uh, take your word for it. Anyways, I thought you know now I'm thinking about Beetlejuice might be almost too unhinged for the Joker. Like the Joker still has to have some sort of, uh, you know, sense of reality. Um, I don't know. Joker, Joker's pretty manic. Joker is manic, but Beetlejuice was just so like I don't know. He, he reminded me he of rules. Beetlejuice has rules that he has to follow, right? Like that's true. He can't just do anything. But he's. I mean, I thought he was. I thought when I said as I was watching him, I was like, this guy would have made a great Joker. He reminded me of. Do you remember Mark Ferguson? Uh yeah. Oh yeah. Mark Ferguson, back when he was, I don't know, I haven't seen him in a while, but we used, to, we used to go to parties with him all the time. And drunk Mark Ferguson reminded me a little bit of Beetlejuice. I don't know what it is, but there is something this chaotic and 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 uh, and uh, mischievous about it that reminded me huh. of Mark. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Do we have something we're talking about specifically today? All right. We've lost well, all of our uh, philosophy. Coming up. Okay. So you have a costume picked out? 
No, I'm not doing anything. Throwing. Wow. Boo. What are you too cool for a costume? There's no comedy shows that are doing costumes this weekend. Um, I don't know. There, there might be. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not doing any any Halloween comedy show. That's for sure. No. Why? You sound like you have a have a strict rule against that. I don't do any sort of Halloween related uh, comedy. That's my rule. Why? No, I'm <laughs> No, I'm just like I'm too busy studying and Ah, okay. I see. Yeah. You know what? There is something about a theme show that makes the comedy it can either elevate it or it can make it it can handicap it, I feel like. Like it's hard to do a set as a character like doing like say I dressed up as I don't know, the Joker and trying to do a comedy set and just did my normal person out, like my normal set. It just would, I don't know, something about it's weird. People are just looking at your costume without listening to you. Yeah, you have to be fully, totally in character or else it's just distracting and no one, no one yeah, knows what's going that's on. that's the thing. I do like it when people dress up and try and do their sets as a character or they write jokes specific to their character. That's another thing, but I'm I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm lazy. I'm, I've become so lazy with my writing. I need to get really back into it. After this album, Recorded. By the way, anyone listening that lives in the Okanagan, November 25th at the Dream Cafe, I'll be recording my debut comedy album with 604 Records. And I will be throwing that material in the garbage. Now, realistically, I'll still be, I'll probably still have to use it from time to time. But I really <laughs> want to get away from it and start like writing a brand new uh, hour because I've been doing these jokes for like damn near a decade now. Damn near a decade. Got to... Mm-hmm. Yeah, retire those bits. Not all of them, but most of them are like several years old. The youngest jokes in this album are going to be like at least two years old. (laughs) So I would like to start working out some new material that I'm excited about that I can, uh, you know, it's just it's so much fun to have new material. It's the funnest thing ever in stand up is having a good batch of new jokes. It is the best. No one, no one likes the old stuff. Everyone just wants new. New, new, well, new. That's not what I'm not saying. The audience usually doesn't know the difference because they usually have never heard me before. But I know I can feel when I have a good new five minutes myself feel I feel so much more enthusiastic about the performance. And that there's is promise. There's there's future. There's new life. There's the, yes. the hope of a brighter exactly. tomorrow. Yes. The sun will come out tomorrow. You just have to write some fucking jokes first. You lazy scum. No, yeah. I, but I, I have to be working on the, these old jokes for the next month anyways to get them nice and taut. Taut. I need to tauten them up. Taut. Uh, I need them to be nice and taut because I need to, uh, I need to, um, first of all, I need to sit down and hammer out exactly which jokes are going on this, on this album because they're not all bangers. <laughs> <laughs> some B material is going to have to be in there to fatten the duck up. Uh, those are some great, uh, great metaphors there. <laughs> hammer out, hammer out these bangers and fatten the duck up. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Just picturing you hitting ducks with a hammer until. Yeah. Until the... <laughs> well, the the thing is, is that with modern day. Uh, comedy albums they're consumed one joke at a time right they're just put you get a track played on the radio or someone put it on spotify they probably leave it on shuffle and don't even realize it so it's like 
you know, you got to have distinct bits. Is that the mm -hmm. idea? Yeah. You want to yeah. have distinct bits. You don't want to have too many things. You know, callbacks are not a great idea. Um, unless you're doing a full mm. special. Right. Um, but for the money wise, I think the money in Canadian comedy for a lot of people that are at my level, it comes from, uh, plays on the radio and they're not playing your whole album. They'll play one track, two tracks here or there. And those are what actually earn you some money. So even though I want to give them a full hour album, it might, I might edit out the, 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 I might trim the fat off that duck as they say, and get it down to like 35, 40 bangers <laughs> only bangers only. Unless it's what do you do with the fat? Do you just throw it out or do you reserve it? Like, what do you do? What do you do? <laughs> I reserve it. <laughs> And you know what I do when I start cooking again? I kind of sprinkle it in there, get some flavor. <laughs> you, know? you know what I'm saying? Some fat fries. Yeah. So some of my Duck B material, fries, some B material turns into A material when you add another component to it that I haven't thought of yet. You know, like if I have a if I have a B joke sitting around in the wings, and it's only a B joke because it it needs something that's better quality attached to it and then that might come down the road and i go hey you know what would pair nicely with this a joke is if i mix in this b joke and then it becomes a a plus joke maybe you know what i'm saying uh yeah i i, I get it i get it i get it i get the formula um, yeah a plus b equals a plus <laughs> i get it <laughs> Classic. This is basic algebra, you idiots. All right, let's get to the lesson. It's right, 20 minutes uh, of these people's <laughs> poor time. These poor people's time. These poor people's yeah. poor time. This is a relaxed episode. Um, oh, okay. I'm fine with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Halloween's coming up. We I thought we should talk about uh, fear, scary things. What is scary? What is fear? If we can think of some examples, go through it. Um, I think everyone knows fear means false expectations appearing real. What? That's what fear means? You've never, you've never heard that before? No. And how dare you say I think everyone knows this? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I thought this was like a common, like, uh, like a live, laugh, love kind of thing. Um, <laughs> That's the ingredients to happiness. And then what you just <laughs> said is the ingredients for fear. <laughs> False expectations appearing real. <laughs> oh, it's an acronym. It's an acronym ah, for fear. Yeah. I yeah. see. I thought yeah. fear was the mind killer. I also have that written down here too. Uh, okay, good. That's a, <laughs> that, that one's way more badass than your stupid acronym. False expectations appearing real. Uh, yeah, I have okay, the let's full bring that down. False expectations appearing real. What is that? Give me an example. Can you tell me what that would be, look, look like? Because there's yes. definitely more than one type of fear. Yes. Uh, so false expectations appearing real. Um, you are in the woods at night. You have the you expect that there's a monster out there because of the noise you heard or something. But it's and it appears real, but actually it's false. So it's a false expectation appearing real. And that's causing fear. So, sorry, back, back that up one second. I, I, my fucking ADD kicked in when you're talking. You're out okay. in the woods. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a weird. It's a way of saying like, you think something dangerous is out there, mm -hmm. and so your expectation of something dangerous appears real, even though it's a false expectation. Okay. And then so what your if, fears what? are false expectations that appear real. Yes, but there's also real danger that is real. 
that causes fear. But fear is not the correct response to the real danger. You're telling me it's not correct to feel afraid if you're locked in a fucking cage with a tiger? You will feel afraid, but Mm -hmm. as Paul Moadib explains in Dune, um, fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Yes, the classic classic line from Dune. they didn't say it in the movie, though, did they? They just said fear is the mind killer. They didn't do the whole. I, ironically, Duke Leto, right before he dies, his last words are, I remain. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, here's the and thing. Then, is, is that's fear... what he whispers. Well, that, that's what he whispers to Baron. Sorry, I forget. I'm uh, spoiler okay. Spoiler alert. But I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Also, go watch that movie, you freaking idiots. It's so good. Some yeah, people Jesus hated Christ. Dune. I couldn't believe it. Oh. It was such an experience for me. Anyways, Dune Two um, is going to be one of the most insane movies ever made. Calling yeah. it, yeah. I just the scope and the scale and the vibe. I hate how I have to use the word vibe now, and not I don't have to, but I find myself using it a lot now. It's because it is a good word to the tone and the vibe and the scale and the just the epicness of everything. I think it's because there's not a lot of dialogue and there's there's a decent amount of action, but it also is kind of like a one note flavor when it comes to the color scheme, which I think gets on people's nerves, but uh, they want an avatar. Yeah. They want an entire rainbow jammed into a flower. Yeah. It is kind of like the antithesis to avatar in terms of color palette. Um, <laughs> and, but, kind uh, of, and kind of, and kind of the antithesis as far as like the pacing and the tone. Yeah. Yeah. It, there's such uh, that would be a, that's a great comparison. Um, they're I'm sure so that's different. been done before. D- Dune is like a, I would say Dune is like Avatar is like the the normal story where the hero is like a real hero and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Avatar is like the story that the Bene Gesserit plant to trick a population into. Yeah. trusting them it's almost like there's the the two they're the opposite sides of the same coin in so many respects like the color palette the tone the pacing the philosophies behind each each movie yeah. are but they both do kind of i mean i know the main point of avatar is kind of an environmentalist message right um whereas dune it's more of a uh beware of cults essentially and charismatic leaders that's really ironic because uh frank herbert the author of dune is uh he was an ecologist and he was an um, occult, what he was in a cult e- e- no, no 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 an ecologist oh ecologist. he studies ecosystems oh um so like ecosystem is like the we might think of it as like the web of life yeah so, yeah like, in a in Dune, right? It's a desert ecosystem. So mm-hmm. in the movie, we have like the little mouse with its like its little ears, um, and then there's like the giant sandworms, and it's all about. 
<laughs> I like, yeah, you had to fucking, you had this, just, you had to touch on the little ears on the mouth. <laughs> I remember that. That's like an important moment in the movie where Paul learns. Uh, that it, the mouse to uses like it. The desert mouse. Yeah, but you like to not explain it. So the mouse, it collects this moisture oh, yeah. on its ears and it uses that moisture to hydrate. But it sounded like you were just like, and the little mouse with its little ears <laughs> and its little paws. <laughs> and then the big sad worm comes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he, his, uh, so Dune, I don't know. Yeah, like it doesn't seem like they're going that way in this movie, but in the book, Paul, there's like the, the Fremen have this prophecy that, um, their Muad'Dib will bring water back to Arrakis mm-hmm. because Arrakis is not supposed to be, it's not always supposed to be like a total desert. Like they, they believe one day they will, they'll get water. Right. Um, and, and so that is like, that's part of, but yeah, it's, it's, it is way more about religion. I guess in the movie, they can't really tackle do you think that Almost, they, but. this is kind of a gross angle to take it, but do you think that because, you know, moisture is so important on Dune, do you think that they have to limit their sexual intercourse to like strict <laughs> uh, producing offspring only, you know, you know what I'm saying? Oh, because like, they don't have enough water? Well, because they're wasting fluids, kind of. You're getting, you're jizzing, and, oh, and there's um, pus, vagina lubricants at work here. You know, there's moisture. Uh, the, I think we all know we need moisture for that activity, and it's not like they go around and collect it after. So, what are they banging in special? Like maybe they have like special kind of like uh, condoms that retrieve all the moisture. You know, <laughs> like they're still suits, but it's the condom. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. I don't. I don't think the book gets into a lot of detail about um, if they recycle their jizz or not. <laughs> <laughs> Surprising to me that they didn't spend more time on that. Uh, but there are a ton of of fremen. Like, there's millions. There's yes. way the whole the whole point is there's way more of them than anyone wants to admit. Yeah, so um, are they 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 must be banging I mean they must be banging a lot, but are they like yeah. it's just one of those things where is it a risk reward type thing? Is it frowned upon to just do it for pleasure? Maybe wearing a condom is actually frowned upon because you just did you just wasted your body's moisture for pure pleasure and there's no even chance of an offspring. Man, I don't know. I, I think it's probably uh probably kind of like i don't know maybe i think maybe maybe that's like their strategy they need fighters or something um, i don't know seems like maybe they're just having mouths, fun more mouths to water out there you just have you have too many mouths to water yeah i, don't know, I forget how it all works but the 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 the, the fremen like the desert is way less in like the fremen have learned to live in the desert to the extent that they can thrive that is kind of like the point is that they they are able to thrive in the desert, mm-hmm. but the um, but they are they're at war with the Harkonnens for various reasons because the Harkonnens are exploiting the desert and profaning the sacred spice and killing the the Fremen and all that stuff. But the Fremen right. can live in the desert quite quite well because they've they've adapted to it. They've become tough. 
mm-hmm. the toughest people in the galaxy uh, because of their environment. Right. Okay. So let's get back to this theme we had established. Fear is more than just false expectations appearing real. Yeah. And well, we yes, can... although you in Dune, they value this idea of not letting fear affect you, but we got to get in reality, a fear response is prepping your body for action, right? So if you don't feel fear at all, your body isn't getting like all these uh, injections of adrenaline and like ready that your eyes, your pupils aren't dilating. You're not like getting this fight or flight uh, action ready. So right. it could definitely be a detriment if you're living in the wild. I mean, if there's actual like imminent danger and you don't feel fear, it's almost a detriment because now your body's too relaxed to respond in the proper way. Yeah. I mean, it's like a false expectations appearing real is it could mean the opposite of fear. It could mean like you have a false expectation that this bear is really cute and you're going to pet it and it's going to like you and then you lose your hand. Yeah. Well, you lose more than your hand probably, (laughs) but uh, the, the fear response is an evolutionary trait, right? It's, it's, yes. it's there yeah, for a reason. Yeah. So if the fight we, or flight if we, response, if we didn't have it, that would be hypothetically a bad thing. So fear is not yeah, we necessarily a bad thing. It. Fear is always, it's a negative emotion, but it's a positive attribute to have as a biological organism. Cause every animal feels fear. I feel like, or most have some version of fear to keep them alive. Yeah, it's the, it's like a fighter fight or flight response. I think fear is maybe the flight response, and something else is the fight res- fight response. Fight response is like the thing. The, the fear is like a it's a, it's it's motivated by survival. So that is you probably gonna yeah. want to be flight and only fight if that allows you to then flight. You know. Anger yeah, is guess, more of a yeah. violence thing. Anger is an emotion. That's that, true. That will manifest in violence more than fear, I think. But fear and anger are the same. They, lots of people say they're pretty much the same thing. Well, fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. And then that leads to having a dope fucking lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> dope red lightsaber and a black cloak. Because anger is, is <laughs> anger is is I think someone explained this to me and, and it made sense to me at the time uh, and I'm probably going to butcher it but anger is just an extreme sense of fear about something not you're afraid of the thing that you don't like ah see I'm butchering it but they kind of the way they told me whoever this was they made me uh agree with them that fear and anger are pretty much the same emotion manifesting in different ways. Uh, who cares? Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I like that. I like that response. <laughs> People need to stop um, caring. They, they need to abandon entire notions like entire tr- thoughts of uh trains of thoughts. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, but we can, we can, I thought we could compare, I have this other interesting note I wrote down. Um, cause in, in Dune, they have that test, the Gom Jabbar test. Yeah. Which is, I don't know if that's like about fear. Well, that, that's like a pain test where 
That's about controlling yourself, your animalistic instincts. Yeah, exactly. Um, You put your hand in this thing, and if you take it out, you will she'll she'll kill you, um, basically. So, and her point is that if you're an animal, an animal would uh, bite off its own limb to get out of the trap. So, we'll see if you're an animal or not. Yeah. Well, the, that that was the part of the test was, do you have the mental fortitude to override the instinct to pull your hand out of this thing? Yeah. And I, and then I like, because I recently saw Saw 10, and that's like a similar movie, and, or like there's similar premises in Saw where like a character is in this painful trap. Um. But the difference is in Saw, he wants you to get out of the trap. Or like you're supposed to get out of it. Yeah. Even if it means cutting off your own arm. Right. And the in Saw, he or like his a jigsaw's like explanation is like in Saw Ten, it's kind of funny. He says like he's telling someone who doesn't know who he is, like what his job is. And he's like, I'm a I'm a life coach. I help people make positive changes in their lives. <laughs> Who says this? And Jigsaw says that. Oh my god! <laughs> like that's like his. <laughs> that is that's awesome. His philosophy is that like the, I'm a life coach. I'm a life coach. Yeah, that's like that's I'm kind good. of a life coach. Yeah. I mean, he's not right. It's kind of extreme measures, but I mean. And also, like, the PTSD is going to be way more de- detrimental than any sort of life lesson they get out of it. Well, his his thing is, like, he, he wants people, or, like, this is what he's saying, he wants people to become, like, a better human being. Yes, because he's terminally ill, and it makes him angry how people are not valuing certain things in their lives, and he tries to make them see. Yeah. The value um, that they have, you know, or the wrongdoings they've been doing or the harm they've been causing other people by putting them in a goddamn fucking torture chamber. Yeah, it's just like, it's so interesting, like the way that he, like, because the Bene Gesserit test is like, no, 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 like you have to resist all this pain, put your mind over matter. Only an animal would let pain make them do something. And then Jigsaw is like, but I guess in jigsaws are like, no, you have to um, get out of this trap. Even if you have to be an animal to get out of this trap, almost. Essentially, he wants to see. I mean, I think jigsaws philosophy is pretty flawed. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> obviously, but but like he wants them to. The thing about Jigsaw is everybody, no matter who you pick up, they're going to want to live, right? So they're going to probably do whatever it takes to survive. So I don't know where the life lesson necessarily comes in. Besides, it kind of ties into the theme of whatever mechanism you're 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 strapped to, right? Yeah. If you're like a compulsive masturbator, you have to like masturbate till your dick falls off to get the key that's hidden in your pelvis or some shit. <laughs> His whole thing is like, you like smoking? Well, here, smoke a pack right now. You know what I yes. mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the type of lesson he's trying to give. 
the Bene Gesserit are kind of like they're this is a test to see that you have total control of your impulses. Yeah, I, and I guess the penalty for both tests for failing both tests is death. Yes. So yeah. Yeah, so I I guess they are kind of similar in the, in their in their strange ways. Similar um, in the way that you both die if you fail, but other than that, there's not a whole lot similar besides the fact that you have to endure a lot of pain in order to make it to the end. Yeah, yeah, Jig, Jigsaw is a very interesting uh, character. Highly recommend Saw 10. Um, uh, next, I guess we could talk about another kind of fear, pretty common. Um, fear of the unknown. Ah, uh, yes, the old eldritch horror. Yeah, and the best, uh, I think maybe the classic movie of, for fear of the unknown is John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah, the original, the original with Kurt Russell, I think. Does that really? Does that really? Um, is that really a good definition of the unknown? Is the fear of the unknown because they're more afraid of the violence that this thing is inflicting, and it is scary that they can't tell if it's one of them or not. But they're not. Is that really falling under the category of fear of the unknown? Hmm. Yeah, good question. When I think of fear of the un- unknown, I think of more like H.P. Lovecraft type, like the fear of something you can't understand. Hmm. Uh, or even you can't even put into words as to why you're afraid of it. Ugh. Yeah, like the, the call of uh, like call insanity, of stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. or like I uh, like there's this. The one t- like real life experience I had was this was when I took that crazy amount of acid on the river and I thought I got stolen by space demons. Oh, yeah. There was like that was a very HP Lovecraft experience for me because I couldn't see anything. I could only feel the presence of these massive entities and they were so overpowered. Like in my mind, I believe that I was in this realm of like the creators of the universe. And I, even though I couldn't see them, I could feel them and I couldn't understand what they were or what their purpose was. But I was, I could, all I could tell was that they were immensely powerful and terrifying. And that was kind of like, I felt like kind of an HP Lovecraft situation where it's like this fear of something looming, but you can't tell what it is. Ooh, yeah, that's good. That that captures it very well. That's uh, that's good, and and it's hard to, in a way. That kind of fear is tough to deal with because it's not. Uh, you can't point to exactly what it is that you're afraid of. Exactly, you can't it's, face it's the, your fear. It's the fear you can't put it into words, and you can't wrap your head around, and so there's no tactics to avoid it. Yeah, you can't close your eyes to make the monsters go away. Exactly. And you can't fight against them. You can't escape them. There's that type of fear, which is like a little bit harder to put your finger on. It's also why it's very hard to make a movie about those books, the H.P. Lovecraft books, because yes. the fear is not supposed to be in the visual or physical attributes of the monsters. It's supposed to be... The, I don't know. I haven't really read them it, all, but I've watched well, a lot of movies, a lot of YouTube videos depends, about. It. Yeah, it, it depends on on which which sto- like which Lovecraftian story you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're doing like 
mountains of madness or um or uh uh what is it charles dexter ward i think um those ones like there is like he does go into a lot of detail describing uh these creatures so in a sense you do know what you're looking at mm-hmm. but uh but the way that they look is like secondary freak, freakish and weird no yeah. it is it is kind of important um cuz like he does go to the lengths to describe them but he doesn't go he doesn't describe them so much that you really know what you're looking at but uh right like I thought a lot of like the, the one of the oh, main sorry. things yeah go ahead with HP Lovecraft was the indescribability of the old ones where it was very hard to like really yes, describe the, what yeah. you're looking at yeah the old ones for sure um but you very yeah but by their very nature you don't you can't even really encounter them in a story so when he's describing the creatures in detail that's in like the mountains of madness mm-hmm. um that's like practically science fiction because they're like alien creatures that came from another planet and lived in the ocean and built houses and stuff so like they're real right. like flesh and blood things um they're just right. super super old um and weird looking and like intelligent plants with wings that live underwater like can't understand them um but then they uh in that story in the mountains of madness the sort of like eldritch horror in that story is the things that the aliens made the shoggoths which were like this shape-shifting i don't know for lack of a better word artificial intelligence yeah that could form into any shape and that those shape-shifting things eventually turned in turned into their versions of their creators and destroyed them in it yeah, crazy stuff. Um, but the color of space is one where it's like, that's actually a Nicolas Cage movie where it's a color that can't be described. And they tried to make a movie out of it. And it's actually not bad. But like really? the whole point of the book is that no one, yeah, like the whole point of the short story is there's this meteor that hits the earth and the townspeople are like looking at it. And they can't describe it for some reason. <laughs> right. They're right. unable to d- describe it and it starts altering reality. Um, Annihilation, that's a great. I was literally just about to say that. Is oh, okay. That's kind yeah. of like Annihilation where the, when the things start crisscrossing and reality starts. It's almost like the fear of losing grip on reality or reality becoming something that you cannot fathom. Um. I mean, like the, these types of fears can they they can manifest in your head, especially if you've ever dabbled with psychedelics. You realize that there are some corners of your mind that you don't really understand, and they're very scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that yeah, the unknown, losing touch with reality, feeling like you can't make like what you perceive is not the way things are. Yes. It's very, or just very like scary. a state of confusion and fear is like, yeah, you don't know why you're afraid or yeah, that it's not. Yeah. I don't know. There's that type of fear, which is hard to describe as you guys have all just heard for the last 10 minutes. But, uh, <laughs> so there's like, there's legitimate fear of your bodily harm happening. Um, there's fear of death, which is, I think just an evolutionary byproduct. Um, 
and it's more of a fear. That's more of just being afraid of losing your <laughs> everything you you have in life, I guess. But you wouldn't be, even be and there. Everything to... that you haven't had the pleasure yeah. of yet. Yeah, exactly. But it's kind of irrelevant because you wouldn't give a shit when you're dead. <laughs> so it's it's one of these things where it's like if you have no consciousness. Why are you, if you're, you're afraid of not having this thing, like it's weird. Cause it's like, you're afraid of the moment where you're no longer capable of fear. Hmm. Yeah. That's, that's weird, but you can't really, uh, yeah. You're afraid of not of a moment when you won't be afraid anymore. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. You're afraid <laughs> of the moment you'll be the most peaceful you'll ever be. <laughs> Um, <laughs> in a sense, fear of yeah. other people dying is a much more real, a much more rational fear in my mind, because that is true loss. Yeah. That is, you are losing something. Oh yeah. Um, Ask any parent, their greatest fear will be to lose their kids for sure. Yeah. And I think any, any parent would have the same thing. It, it Like losing a loved one is scary, a scary thought. But it's definitely more scary if it's like not in or the order of it should be in, you know, like a parent should die before their child. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Or or when someone dies young and they, they didn't have the opportunities that you probably are going to have and it, you start to feel sad about them missing out on like the, that the part of life, even though they don't care anymore. <laughs> They don't care they're that they're they not. They don't give a shit. Yeah, they don't yeah. give a shit. <laughs> so it's almost selfish to think to get. It's like all. It's a, in a weird way when someone dies, you're sad for them, but it's almost more actually about your own feelings that that is the travesty or the tragedy. It's the feelings of, of the people that you leave behind. They're the ones that are actually suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the ones who gotta deal with the funeral bill and all that shit. All that bullshit <laughs> when you should be fucking ranking up on Rocket League. Now I got to go to some <laughs> godforsaken church, stand in an aisle. Just kidding. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the fear of losing someone else is 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 really logically it makes sense to me. The fear of dying yourself is more of an instinct than rationale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think maybe there's like another sense of. Uh, a fear of the unknown where it's like you're afraid of something that you, because you think that it is one way, but you're actually just ignorant and there's no reason to be afraid of it at all. Yeah. Fear of the unknown. Or another way to say fear of unknown, it can also be the fear of uncertainty where you, you are in a situation where you have no idea what the next section of your life is going to look like. Right. Yeah. Like uh, my probably my greatest fear, I would say, is um, I don't know if this is a fear so much, but like bugs like in my house running around freaks me out. Is that your really your biggest fear, though? Because if it is, that's pretty fucking dope. Well, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, my, I mean, my biggest fear well, I mean, it's like the most realistic thing that might happen that would that would freak me out. Like, biggest fear obviously is having to live in a I don't know post apocalyptic wasteland, running away from cannibal gangs. Like, that's probably my greatest fear. 
but that's probably that's unlikely. yeah yeah <laughs> it's it is unlikely, unlikely. <laughs> um, it, it all comes down to the, like getting into a situation where you have to watch loved ones die is i think probably near the top of the list for a lot of people yeah and then but like, uh, that and dying themselves has got to be top of the list and then the public speaking i don't believe that that that's the number one fear i don't i think that was like a joke that someone made and was taken as fact yeah but like um but like with with like the bugs thing like i i know that there is a, a guaranteed way that you can get over a fear like that exposure therapy yes if you're afraid of an unknown thing, there's you can overcome that fear through gradually increasing your exposure to that thing. Mm-hmm. And through exposing yourself to it, it ceases to be you learn more about it and become more familiar with it and less afraid. And that the works. thing about the fear of being surrounded by insects is it's a valid fear when you know that some of those insects could kill you potentially. I'm not even scared. I'm it's not even like physical danger. I just like it's more like I cannot like there are things in this room that are not in my control and we're running around and they're gonna like crawl on me when I'm asleep and stuff like that. Yeah. It's more I mean, like it's, a disgust thing. That's what I was gonna say. That's more of a disgust emotion than a fear. Yeah, but it makes me it now here we go saying well, oh, disgust is basically just fear. There's two, yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, disgust, yeah. anger, and fear—they're uh, three sides the to thing. the same uh, the same coin. Yeah. Um, well, there's that. Uh, what was that? That guy. He was this black guy who would. Why is meet... that relevant? Why the hell is that well, relevant? No, 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 no. <laughs> It is. It is relevant. It is relevant. Okay, he... this better be goddamn relevant, dude. <laughs> Well, I forget his name, but his whole thing was deprogramming uh, Ku Klux Klan members ah, because yeah. it turns out most racists don't know anyone from the race that they hate so much. Oh yeah, absolutely. If you, force, if you force, not outside of like prison. Because racists are around black people in prison, but there's kind of a gangland mentality. It's not really like they're getting... If you took someone that was in the KKK, which is what this the guy you're talking about was essentially doing, and just made them hang out with uh, a black person or any other race, forced them to hang out, eventually they're going to realize they're going to come to the realization that they're they're kind of the same. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly, yeah, I think. I think Basically, the plot majority. to American History X, actually. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so true, though. Like, I think, uh, I think the vast majority of people in the world, like, we have super superficial differences, but really, mm-hmm. when you get down to it, most people just want to live what they conceive to be like a normal life. Mm-hmm. And so, when you meet most people, you realize, oh, we're actually pretty similar. That's why I think cultures are are a lot more scary than uh, a race, you know. And even in cultures, it's the individuals you could definitely be like get along with. It's 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 when a group of people decide on a set of ideals that are unmovable or or unnegotiable that is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we all got to remember uh, to not do that. <laughs> <laughs> this Halloween, remember. Don't form a culture that is terrifying. 
but I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, I I think most most people are pretty similar, and there are like cultural differences. Like when I lived in Taiwan, like I knew that I would never be accepted as a Taiwanese person. Yeah. No matter how long I live there, even if I become fluent in Mandarin, like you're just never going to really be a part of that culture. Yes. But that's, on the other that's something that's different about, I think, some, like when people move to America, it's like if you learn the language and you, and you assimilate essentially, like people do accept you as an American or a Canadian or whatever. Yeah. For the most um, part. Well, d- depending on like how. But you know, like you can never, uh, you can never, like totally assimilate into another culture. Um, no, you can be accepted as a friend, and people can like you, and you can learn their ways and stuff like that. But when two cultures are very different, you'll always be an outsider to some extent. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that even cultures that seem very different, I think, when you get down to it, they have a common way of life. And that's yeah. pretty much everybody, regardless of what culture they're in, they want to have moderate means economically and have a family. Yes. Yeah. And that's I'd, pretty much universal. I would say that's universal. And then there's like so a bunch too. of other stuff on top of that. Um, that usually most people don't really care about that much. Um, yeah. I mean, at the end, it's like the, uh, the you know, food, shelter, community. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much what everyone on Earth wants. Yes, until you mix in greed and religion and desire for power, which is another form of greed. It's this uh, this uh, human, uh, I guess. It's, it seems to be uniquely human to want more than you need. Uh, to a very extreme degree. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's usually gets people in trouble when they go into yeah. debt. Well, I mean, no, it's no just, one wants to be in debt. Wanting no more than you debt. need is like is 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 uh, like essentially greed, right? Greed is greed is wanting more than you than you need. Uh, at the no, expense I, I would say greed is greed is wanting uh, greed is wanting um, an excessive amount, and I think excess is. I think you can want more than you need without being greedy. No, I know that, but the, uh, yeah, it, to an extreme degree. That's where, but that's always where like these. That's why there's always so much war and 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 stuff in the in the yeah. world. Is it's you're wanting more, way more than you need. Right. I think of greed as like a love of money that eclipses um, your, your. We already your... did a whole episode on greed. Did you know oh, that? We did? <laughs> yeah, we had this conversation. Greed okay. is more than just about money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it usually, because society is run on money, that's the the quickest way to uh, satiate your greed is by having lots of money. Amen. All right. Well, that's our episode. Don't be greedy and don't be afraid. Um, <laughs> anything else you want to add? Um, no. Uh, happy Halloween. Um, oh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Great movie. Recommend it. <laughs>
All right, we'll see you guys next week.